might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck, and this is another installment of Metal Tales from the Road. This week, we're going to be talking about the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania show, and it was attended by uh, not only a patron of ours, but uh, someone who's uh, on quite the road trip right now. Um, Matt from the actual New Jersey is on the phone with me. Hey, what's up, man? Well, it's an honor to talk to somebody from the real New Jersey. The real New Jersey. Yes. <laughs> New Jersey, New Jersey, of course. Um, so, yeah, we're going to dive into the set list at some point here, but uh, like a lot of these that we do, uh, Matt, I want to get kind of your, your your coming online moment with Metallica. What, what's kind of your backstory and your intro to getting into this band? Well, uh, uh, mid-90s, you know, MTV generation, uh, you know, uh, our household was kind of a church household, so MTV was off limits. and. Yeah. But whenever the parents weren't home, me and my brother would always sneak MTV. And I remember one of the first videos on MTV was King Nothing. It was around 96. And I was an 11-year-old, and I'm watching, you know, the video unfold. And I'm like, what is this band? And my brother's like, this is Metallica. And I'm like, oh, and it's all history from there. <laughs> it was all about how the parents couldn't stop me. You know, I had to go get all the albums and... uh We've just been on a, I've been on the journey ever since. And um, when I was 17, I got my license, and that was 2002. Uh, the Summer Sanitarium 03 was that following summer, so that kind of started the live journey. So it was the and Summer now, Sanitarium tour the first, that, the first show you saw? Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to be Tattoo the Earth in, uh, in Giant Stadium in 2000 which was the, I believe that was summer, a merging of Summer Sanitarium and Tattoo the Earth. Uh, right. A huge metal fest. And I was 15 at the time. I needed my brother to kind of be my chaperone and my ride, and my brother was partying, and my parents were like, no, you're not going. And <laughs> so I, I had to wait until uh, I had to wait until 2003. Let's get into this, and if we, if we lose you, we can start this part over, but um, let's talk about okay. this, this journey you just went on, man. So... I knew I was talking to you about the Pittsburgh show, but I get on the phone with you and you inform me that you actually drove from New Jersey all the way to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to hit, hit up that show too. Yeah. So I, I made this, uh, my plan was to make this epic week out of it. So Sunday that just passed, I left my house in, uh, in New Jersey at, um, five in the morning. And my intention was to just haul ass straight to Milwaukee, check into my hotel, the next day was Monday, and I'm actually a 49er fan. And the 49ers were playing Monday Night Football in Green Bay. Oh. And uh, Green Bay is only two hours north. So Monday, I did a day in Green Bay, checked out Monday Night Football. Uh, then Tuesday was Metallica in Milwaukee. So I did the day in Milwaukee, and then I went to Metallica. Uh, Wednesday was an eight-hour drive to Pittsburgh. So I Kansas, Ohio, checked out the Football Hall of Fame. Then I arrived in Pittsburgh yesterday. Um, actually, I was running late. 
I literally checked into the hotel, went straight to the venue, which was like a ten minute walk. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then started. So uh, yeah, I got Milwaukee in. I got Pittsburgh in. I was gonna get Penn State tomorrow night, but I got life happening at home, and I gotta sure. get back home. So. Um, well, but I'm planning on going to Albany and Philly as well, so I'm going to make up for it. Awesome, man. Well, it, I mean, God, it sounds like you you more than packed enough in in just a few days. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's I kind of been doing these. I kind of do these road trips where I just basically just make a huge bucket list and just get everything done. Um, yeah, we did that with a couple of metallic shows, and basically my girlfriend went to her mother's in Florida for the week, and I said I'm going to go do Metallica and football stuff all week. And <laughs> She's like, cool. what we did. Have, yeah, f- yeah, have she, fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, like at first she was like, I want to go, but I'm like, it's really going to gonna be Metallica and football all week. And yeah. she's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go to my mom's. I was like, all right. Florida sounds nice uh, this time of year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I arrived in Milwaukee and I, I forgot, uh, I forgot a couple of things. So I walked to just to like the Walgreens and I'm like, when I left New Jersey, it was 60 degrees Milwaukee was like that uh, that Great Lakes cold air, you oh, know, yeah. 35 degrees. And I'm like, oh, my God, what did I just do here? Like, I just drove 13 hours to freeze. Yeah, and Green a- Bay, <laughs> Green Bay was another level of cold for Monday Night Football. And it's October to them, so they're used to it. I'm freezing. And, you know, they're looking at me like, you know, look at this guy, you know. <laughs> you know, December, January, that's football weather to them. And I'm freezing in October. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like, yeah, those cities are no joke, man. Like, I, I was in Milwaukee uh, last December, and I knew it would be cold. I, I brought, you know, multiple layers. But it's still no joke, man. Off those off those Great Lakes, it gets really cold. Nope. And I think that's why their people are so tough. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just they just used to brutal cold. But, you know, but uh, I got to say, Green Bay and Milwaukee, um, and even Pittsburgh, everybody's super nice like everybody's super nice and you know obviously there's a stereotype of people from new jersey but it's true you know there's a lot of dicks in new jersey (laughs) you know and and to go to places where people are just nice and just want to talk to you for no reason and you know just talk about metallica and all these cool things like it's just like oh that's yeah it was kind of a relief it was cool yeah for sure man no pittsburgh's a great town i've been there i've been there dozens of times on tour and uh, I mean, even the last time I was there, I went uh, had a day off, and I went to go uh, to a Pirates game. And uh, as I was about to buy my ticket, someone just came up to me and gave me a free one. Like, and people were super cool. <laughs> people I sat next to were cool. Pittsburgh's an awesome town. Um, so let's kind of let's kind of since we're talking about Pittsburgh, let's kind of dive into uh, maybe kind of what was the atmosphere like? Did you participate in any like tailgating, or did you just kind of get in there? No. So basically. Um you know, I'm, I'm on this, I was on this trip alone, so I was kind of just, you know, just rolling with the punches of, uh, you know, kind of like a loose itinerary of things to do. I basically had things that I wanted to get done, but I kind of just, uh, at first when I was driving out, I was like, maybe I'll, you know, because I'm part of the, the black ticket, um, uh, Facebook group. There's a Facebook group with all the black ticket holders oh, around wow. there. So you have a, bl- a black ticket then? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have one of the black tickets awesome. and, uh, so I know there was people that were meeting up, and also on like the metallic message board, there was a couple of pre-parties and stuff. But as you know, same with Milwaukee and also with Pittsburgh. Like, I was kind of really just interested in the show. You know, obviously I know that everybody would be super cool. Yeah. And I, obviously the drinking would be fun, but I, I was really just interested in the show. So, um, so I kind of just 
Um, for Pittsburgh, I, I didn't really see Brewer open up in Milwaukee, so I made it a point to get there early to see Brewer, which was a fun little intro. Yeah, how, like how did, yeah how, how'd you feel about that, like not having a band open the show? Like, We've heard, obviously, multiple stories now about people's thoughts on Jim Brewer. I'm looking forward to it. What, what did you think? Well, I'm, I'm biased because where I grew up was about was about 15 minutes from uh, the whole Johnny Z era, area of New Jersey. Ah, okay. Um, so, and just growing up kind of a metalhead in that area, you kind of knew who the tri-state area com- uh, comedians were. And there was always like Florentine, Don Jameson, uh, Jim Brewer. Um, so to me, you know, you, you could see Jim Brewer uh, throughout the year. So to me, it was kind of just like a hometown treat okay. because I was just, used, I, you know, I grew up just seeing Jim Brewer's name everywhere with all the local comedy clubs. And we always, there was always a, uh, a niche group of metal comedians um, and he was one of them. So, and, uh, and I saw, I went to Orion in 2012 in Atlantic City and there was a kind of a comic stage and he was one of the comics there. So to me, it it was just normal. Um, you know, it, it was just, to me, it was kind of, not routine, obviously, but, but it, it wasn't anything hometown, out of the ordinary. He's your hometown boy, so it was like, you know. Yeah, but you, like when you go into the bathroom, you hear people saying like, why is there a comic here? Why is it? It's like they were expecting music yeah. for the whole show. Well, um, I think at this point, if you're going to the show and you, and you don't know that Jim Brewer's the opener, then you've probably been living under a hefty rock and only yeah, ha- and yeah. only have your Metallica tickets in your hand because it's it's been well kn- well known and now well documented that Jim Brewer is opening these shows. Um, how, how did the how, what was the atmosphere in the crowd like like when you saw him? Did people seem stoked because he seems to try to engage the crowd and run around the arena and, and inter- interact with people? Yeah, he, he's an absolute complete nut job, and in, in all the in all the greatest reasons as to why. You know, he, he's, he's running around the stage. He has another comic that's on the road with him, kind of doing uh, kind of a DJ thing. Uh, people, you know, he has people come up on stage who are young. He points out, you know, he had a, he found a 70, I think, two-year-old woman in the crowd. Wow. Um, you know, they're, they're doing, like, charades with uh, Metallica songs where you got to, like, act them out. So it, it's a fully interactive crowd experience. It's fun. Um, you know, it's definitely, it's not your average... Uh, you know, comedian routine, you know, with like set up punchline, set up punchline. It's more of an interactive thing. And, uh, but it's just good vibes all around. Uh, there was, you know, like a karaoke part where uh, the whole crowd was trying to sing loud enough to have Metallica hear them backstage. And <laughs> they, had, uh, they had War Pigs and then they had Priest on and then they had, uh, uh, oh, then they had Walk by Pantera and oh, obviously cool. everything with Vinnie Paul everybody was stoked and obviously the chorus was really loud so you know it's just an overall fun experience um, what I did notice though being at the stages in the round for Jim Brewer and also for Metallica what, and I'm, I'm sure you have experience with this as well just being a road musician um, is when they shut those security gates when the show starts the artist is essentially trapped Oh, yeah. On that stage. Like, God forbid anything bad happens. They're trapped. And I, <laughs> I didn't really notice that until I got on the floor and I saw Brewer leave. They opened up, like, the bicycle gate. And, you know, he was, like, he was running around the stadium. But when Metallica was on, there, there was 
four security guards in front of that stage entrance, and they're just they're just trapped. And uh, you know, that was just a little thing that I caught up along right. the way. Right. Uh, I like, mean, I'm, oh, that's that's I'm, really scary for the artist. <laughs> I'm sure if something really went 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 south, they, there's probably an exit strategy that gets them out of there pretty quick. But oh, I'm sure you're, you're right though. It, it does give off the impression that they just got locked in like a, a lion's den and they're about to do battle or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I noticed like during the during the Metallica set, I think Kirk uh, changed his shirt or something like that, and I, I didn't even notice it until after the, towards the end of the set. And I was like. Where did he even do that? Unless there was like a, a spot under the stage or something, because you know the, there's four there's four sides of the rail, and people are all riding the rail. Like everything is exposed, all the techs, right. all the engineers, and there's think, definitely no privacy. I think in situations like that, there is there is an area where they can kind of go under the stage, and it's probably like a little covered, kind of makeshift dressing room almost, where they can go do a quick wardrobe change or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Other than that, everything's pretty exposed. You could see all the crew working, all that stuff. Um, you know, you may have even seen my friend Wes out there. He he's on the Metallica crew. Um, well, speaking of them hitting the stage, man, let's let's dive into this set list here. Um, I, uh, I I I saw it on Instagram last night when they posted it. Um, looked over a little bit today, and it seems like a fairly, and this is no disrespect, a, a fairly safe set list. Yeah, they, they really only ventured off for maybe two or three songs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if that, <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it. Don't get me wrong; it's a kick-ass set. I would be more than stoked to see it. Um, and you obviously have seen Metallica multiple times, but do you still feel the same way that I do when X, when Ecstasy of Gold starts? You just get chills, and it's like, oh shit, it's happening. Here we go. Well, for I'll tell you one thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll definitely I'll keep it broad, not to get too crazy here but yeah. in, like I've, I've, I've seen Metallica 19 times wow um, so to me you know the AC, ACDC comes on which that's really only a new thing from a, probably the last 10 years yeah but, uh, but that's a giveaway obviously yeah so ACDC comes on you know you, you finish your beer or you go get another beer or you go take a piss you get your spot you're good to go and then the lights go down and then usually they have uh, you know the screens up and uh, you know everybody gets excited Milwaukee, just because, like I said, I got a lot of stuff going on at home, right. and then I had that 13-hour drive, and it's cold. There's a part of the day that I kind of didn't want to be there. As soon as Ecstasy of Gold hit in Milwaukee, it was the first time ever that I almost got really emotional during it, especially oh, wow. when it kicks in like halfway through, where it really like climbs, and you're like, oh shit, like Metallica's coming out. Like oh, I yeah. was like, wow, or well, like. That's never happened before, so it kind of just like, um, you know, so that that happened in Milwaukee, but then when Pittsburgh happened and the lights went down, it's a completely different set of emotions. That was like a let's rock emotion, you know. Right, that was totally. more just being pumped for the actual show, and uh, and it, you know, they come out and you know they then they have the pre-track to Hardwired, and as soon as that snare hits, it's just off to the races. Oh yeah, totally. And, uh, I, I love yep. that they're doing that that hardwired tape. It's a, it, you know, it's a cool thing. Like they do that with a lot of songs, you know, that and Blackened and Spit Out the Bone and stuff. But it, it, I think me and Clint have talked about this. It kind of builds tension, builds excitement. Like you know, it's coming, but mm-hmm. it, it's still, it's like here next to see a gold. You're like, oh, I, I, we're getting close, we're getting close, you know. And so when the hardwired tape starts playing, you know that once Lars hits that snare drum, it's it's you're off and running. Yeah, and and what's what's great about this tour cycle is like think about it my whole teenage years 
all I'm waiting for is to get a driver's license and see Metallica. And the first album cycle, the first album that comes out after I have my license is St. Anger. And then, <laughs> so I'm immediately bumped from that. But then they're touring, and I got this new bass player, and they're playing deep cuts, so all right, cool. So the tours are good. Then Death Magnetic came out as the return to heavy, the traditional form. You know, definitely pumped about that. But to me, there was maybe one or two. Like, I love that whole album. But to me, there was maybe one or two, like, forever classics on that album. Right. And then when, when Hardwired came out, I listened to that album. And I immediately texted my buddy. And I was like, dude, I cannot wait to see these songs live. I know. Like, this is going to be an awesome tour cycle, and they're and, and they're and they're playing so many songs from the album. They've de- they've debuted almost all of them. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like, and a lot of people get bummed out. They're like, oh, they're just playing new stuff. I don't care. Like I'm the with new you. stuff is awesome, man. You I'm know? with you, man. And you know what? Let, let's be honest. I mean, they're doing you know eight, eighteen to twenty song set lists. I mean, if mm-hmm. you're, even if you're throwing six songs from Hardwired Hardwired in there, there's still a ton of slots for old stuff. And you know, yep. and like I, said, I mentioned with this this set list from Pittsburgh, it's like it's a bit of a safe set list. But I mean, you've got a bunch from Hardwire, and then you got a bunch of classics from Metallica. So we talk, you know, they go into Hardwired. Did the band seem like tighter or better than Milwaukee in any way when they started? Well, Milwaukee, I see. This is this is how nerdy this podcast makes everybody, including myself, <laughs> in a great way. So. Milwaukee was a brand new venue. They just built that venue. I'm pretty sure Metallica was the first concert in that venue. Oh wow! And you could tell you could tell through the first two songs that the sound was sketchy. Like they were kind of, uh, you know, they were kind of EQing it on the fly because they didn't have that many bodies in there during sound check, so the acoustics probably changed a little bit. Oh yeah, that that, um, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, so you could tell that they were they were definitely. Um, you know, fine-tuning some things. Uh, but this venue is where the Penguins play, and I'm pretty sure they've played there before. So this one was a lot tighter. And I noticed that by, by the time they played Unforgiven, which I think was the fifth or sixth song, yeah, fifth. It, was just, it was just all cylinders. You know, awesome. there was a little fine-tuning happening in the beginning of the set. By the time the center of the set happened, it was just, it was just 100%. That's point. awesome, man. So yeah, it's, yep. it, it, it's clear that to anyone that's gone to any of these shows, I mean, they're, they're going to open up with the one-two punch of Hardwired into Atlas Rise. Um, Clint and I have, to, have, have discussed this, and we, we feel that Atlas Rise is already like an instant Metallica classic. Yeah, it, it's it's the bridge. As soon as the bridge and the solo hits, you, you get that weird tingly down your mm-hmm. spine, right. where you're like, oh, this is just awesome. Yeah, you know? oh, Totally. I think the ting- yeah, I, I think the tingling happens elsewhere too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it is it is one of those songs. I mean, I remember the I was in Oakland the day the record came out, and I woke up, downloaded it. My wife was still sleeping, and I just put my in ear monitors in and just sat on the, the, my friend's deck and listened to it. And the second Atlas Rise hit, I was just like, "Oh my god, this record!" It's like, like each song that went, it kept coming on. I was like, "Wow, wow, this song's so good," you know, and like. You know, having it almost be two years old, I definitely have my favorites now. But I mean, Atlas Rise, you can't really mess with. Yeah, and uh, when when the album came out last year, I actually refrained from listening to any of it because I bought it on vinyl, and I had a house full, uh, an apartment full of people coming over to listen to the vinyl from start to finish that night. So 
So like I heard Moth and I heard Hardwired, but then I refrained from everything else, which was hard because they released all the videos the week before. Right. Uh, yeah. Or I think the week of. And uh, but it was cool, especially to listen to it on vinyl with a house full of people. And as soon as that bridge hit, all of our jaws dropped. Where we're just like, oh man, this yeah. is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I remember being at my, my buddy's bar in Oakland uh, the afternoon before and when they had released, like, I think two, like, that last day or something. And I remember, like, hanging out, having a good time. And I looked at my buddy Nick. And he's like, you know the drink? And I was like, I need to go outside real quick and watch this video. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, kept, I kept excusing myself from who we were hanging out with to watch these videos. Um, so jumping back into the set list. So we go in. We, this is very common now. we got, like, the old school slot. It's usually now just Seek and Destroy, which used to be at the end. Uh, obviously a, a classic Metallica song at this point you know no one's bummed that they play this one me and Clint would like to hear maybe Phantom Lord in there and No Remorse but you can't go wrong with Seek well in in Milwaukee I believe I got Motor Breath and that's no no that was later in no I'm completely blanking never mind oh but you might well, be, you might be talking about later in the set because there's another like old school slot because in Pittsburgh it was yeah. Whiplash yeah, yeah, well, dude, that was fantastic. But yeah. in regards to Seek, um, I don't know if it's the smaller markets or if it's the newer wave of fans, but in Pittsburgh, and as well as Milwaukee, people lost their minds as soon as that opening rift happened. Um, and I think it's because there's just a new generation of Metallica fans on this tour right. uh, that never heard that before. You know, from 10 years ago on the Death Magnetic Cycle, that was the Beach Ball song. They closed out the tour with it, and then they had these big black beach balls. Oh, yeah. I, rem- that they would, I remember that. And, that. and I hated those fucking beach balls, man. <laughs> but, but that was, to you know, the last 10 years, that's what Seek and Destroy has been. To put it third in the set and to basically nail it to third in the set, um, the crowd response is awesome. And, and, of course, with, you know, with all the hits that are on point, I'm pretty sure they could play it in their sleep at this point. Oh, yeah, exactly. Know? Well, and, you know... Um, it, Speaking of, you know, you talk about like there's, you know, a new generation, generation of fans. There's also probably a lot of fans at these shows that they, maybe they don't pay attention as in detail as maybe you or me or Clint, um, where we're on social media, on the message boards, wherever, like every time they play a show, we see what they're playing. So there might be a good amount of people in that arena that don't follow the other shows in their set list. So to them, Seeking Destroy was a good, a good treat. And, and obviously I'm not going to go into all of it, but I got, I literally took a paragraph of notes for each song in preparation for today. Oh, and, wow. And the one note, like, I, like if you want to know what instrument people are playing during what song I took all of it, it's ridiculous. But um, <laughs> maybe, maybe you can uh, email that to us and we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll post some excerpts from it. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. But um, Seek and Destroy, the, the first note that I had on Seek and Destroy was um, that was the first time in the set list that the cubes lowered. Um, and they lower those cubes probably to about 10 or 12 feet oh, cool. from the ground. And, you know, during that first buildup of that chorus, uh, or that first riff, rather, the cubes drop way down real fast. And you're like, oh, man, and you really see how big those cubes are. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, if, if, uh, if on any of these songs, you know, something pops off the top of your head from your notes, then please share it with us. We don't want you to read directly since you're driving a vehicle right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's all right. I actually have a pre pretty nerdy setup where everything is within an eye gaze where it's not, <laughs> not safe um but but in, in regards to the notes the next song was uh was rome yeah let's get into and that the first note i put was heavy as fuck intro and 
that place shook a little bit during that bass hit um, in that riff, well, that opening me, riff. To me, they've been they, they they've been starting this one off a little slower, which I think it needs. The yes, song, the song is laid back and chill. It's heavier, exactly. And I'm I mean, good on Lars for once that you know sitar guitar thing stops and he goes into the cut, 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 cut. he does it way slow which i'd love and so like you said it makes it way heavier yeah and and the other note was uh this was the first time the set that james used that les paul that had the the different style bridge with the uh i don't know the exact term that's called is it called like a tremolo bridge or a whammy bar bridge or something uh oh uh, he had a les paul with like a huh like a whammy bar it, 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 it was a yeah, it was a kind of bridge that you would see on like a hollow body. Uh, oh, like a big, like a Bigsby. Yeah, like it wraps around the the end of the body. Yeah, totally. And then um, it goes up. Huh? What guitar was that? It must, I mean, it must be one of his ESP Les Paul style ones. Uh, I, well, it was, it, it was definitely the Les Paul body, but I noticed the bridge was different. Yeah, it's probably one of his custom ESPs. What color was it? It was um, I don't know the official term, but it was like a light brown. Is that considered tobacco? Uh. There's like a tobacco burst. If it was one solid color, you could call it like a walnut or maybe just a tobacco. But I got to look that up because that guitar is not ringing a bell off the top of my head. Yeah, um, and also, I think Rob debuted a new bass this tour where it's an all-white Warwick with like a mirror pick guard. Uh, it's, a little okay. bit of a, it's a little bit of a smaller body than his traditional Warwicks. Right. Um, and I, I, I'm not a fan of Warwicks, but I, I, I think it looks real nice. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good-looking... I, I think some of his bases are, are you know are cool kind of cool looking. I'm just not a huge fan of the Warwicks and the tiny bodies. When he pulls out that old beat up Jaco Pastorius signature jazz bass, yeah, that's my yeah. favorite one he plays. He played that during Creeping Death. Yeah, um, that. But I think that was the only time during the set he played it though. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not a huge Warwick fan. It's just you know it's just my taste. Just stylistically, you know, I think some of them are, are very beautiful instruments, but. You know, for my taste, I'm when it comes to bass guitar, I'm like pretty much a Fender dude. So, um, yeah. But uh, all right, so then we jump into the Unforgiven, and this is where you said that everything was really dialed in at this point. Yeah, um, you know, obviously they play that kind of that alternative intro, uh, and then uh, James has that like multifunctional guitar yep. that he uses. Um, I was kind of hold, they played Unforgiven in Milwaukee, and I was kind of holding out. I'm like. You know, are they gonna flip the script here and do an Unforgiven three again, oh, man. or or are we gonna get blessed with you know the Almighty Unforgiven two? Um, but it, it was Unforgiven one. Yeah. But you know, with, with that you get you get you know I was bummed out for about two seconds, and then yeah. I heard how tight Unforgiven was, and uh, it, like I said, at that point they were just rolling, and um, and during the the cubes at this point are going crazy. And there's uh, all cool graphics on it. It actually says uh, the cubes had a panning cityscape with direct white beams of light going down from each cube that kind of made what looked like a cell around the stage. Oh, yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, so, it, you know, just the overall production of that song is just great. Yeah, man, I can't wait to see this this show in Nashville and, and we're going to Louisville and Birmingham. Um this production just looks insane. I mean, the production of the stadium tour was cool and epic and stuff, but this is just, I think more, there's more intricate, you know, intricate parts to this, these cubes to the, you know, to the drones when they do moth. And I just can't wait to see all this stuff, man. 
Well, there, there's definitely this because the sta- stadium tour was great, especially that it was outside and it was summer and you could drink and you know hang out and stuff. But what's cool about this arena tour, I'm not usually a fan of arena tours of any artist really, is that because the stage is so big and it's in the round, you're so close to the band. Yeah. Um, if, if you're riding the rail, you're literally five feet from them. Uh, even if you're on, because they put the, the stage in a diamond pattern. So the top and bottom points of the diamond, you're basically in the front row of the seats. That's cool. So even, even if you're in the seats, you're still 20 feet from them, which is awesome. Right. So, so where, do, where, does the, where does the black ticket get you on a, in a round tour like this? Uh, it, it's a basic general admission ticket. Um, I am in my 30s. I don't ride the rail anymore. That was something <laughs> I did as a teenager. Um, these last two shows, basically during Enter Sandman, I would sneak my way up to as close to the rail as I could to get a pick. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are people who wait online at 4 o'clock and they run in to get to the rail. I have nothing but respect for them, but that is not me. Also, um, you know, I, I used to go to shows with crowds of people. Now everybody's got kids and are married and stuff, and I don't have kids and I'm not married. And <laughs> so, so a lot of these shows, it's just me. And uh, I kind of make it a point to roam around the arena during the set list. Because, yeah, get different perspectives. Because, yeah, I want different perspectives. I want to hear the sound. Um, you know, I always jump behind the soundboard at some point, or really any show, whether arena or yeah. club, just because I want to you know, hear what's going on. Wherever, so, uh, wherever Matt may roam. Yeah, I guess. Um, but <laughs> but but the uh, yeah the black ticket gets you basically on the floor, and it gets you the unforgiven time access, which I believe is four p.m. Oh, ah, okay, okay. So that's why you get you probably have a lot of those people just jump into the rail when they get in that early. Yeah, yeah, but but the crowd the. They don't sell out the floors, so the floor is pretty much open. Usually, there's one side that's heavily dense with people. Yeah. And if you just walk around the stage, usually whatever that opposite side is is pretty open. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would do. I would just walk around to the other side. Well, and and for those listening that haven't gone to shows yet that want to take Matt's advice on, on walking around the arena floor, uh, coming from ex- the experience of doing arena tours, you know, it's not up to the band if that floor is full or not. I mean. If your ticket sales suck, then yes, it's your fault. But if you yeah. are, if you are selling out that arena and there's still a ton of space on the floor, it's probably a fire code thing. Oh, that's yeah. You know, I they, didn't even think about that. Yeah, they can they can only have a certain amount of like you can't pack it to where like there's nowhere to move, and if there's an emergency, people are gonna get trampled. You know. Um, yeah, and they def- they definitely do make the um, they definitely do make the top and bottom points of the stage narrow. Uh, it's basically the width of maybe three or four bodies and there's a security guard in the mix. There's usually a garbage can. So, um, you know, those spaces are narrow. So I could definitely be the fire marshal actually, uh, having something to say about oh, that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's get back into the set, man. So now that we're dead, what are your thoughts on this one live? Um, I'm not gonna lie. I'm over it. Uh, <laughs> the whole me, song or just the drum thing? Um, I'm hoping it's a, it's a cool song. They changed up the drums for the uh, for this tour cycle. You no longer have the, like those big big drums of the uh, of the stadium right, tour. Right. Yeah. Um, these basically, there's four cubes that come up from under the stage. Oh, you're correct. And, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and the cubes have different, you know, obviously the graphics that correspond to the cubes overhead, and it looks like they have electric pads, and 
the band does their thing and um it's a great song like honestly i love the song listening to it on vinyl um but to me i want to see different songs off the album um yeah this would be this would be a great hardwired slot where you can maybe do a deep cut here some or, or i mean god halo on fire right here would be great yeah honestly not a lot of people like it I'm a huge fan of Am I Savage. Yeah, that's a just great one. For, just for the end part of how heavy it gets. Yes. And to see that live and slowed down, I, I would love to see how heavy that could actually get live. Yeah, I agree, you know? man. I think at this point they're just they're so used to playing this song in the set and they committed they fully committed to that drum thing that they're yep. like, We're not we're not ditching this until the end of the tour. Yeah. And uh, actually when I was in Milwaukee, uh, Dave Grohl was in the arena because Foo Fighters are playing the same arena the next day. Oh, and I, I saw that, of, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that they would have brought Dave Grohl out to do the drums with them, because obviously because he's a drummer. Right, yeah. I, I, thought that, I thought that would be cool, but it didn't happen. He was just there to hang out and probably get drunk. <laughs> oh, that was it. That was it. And I saw the uh, the guys from Machine Head were in town, too, so that they were backstage. So I'm assuming that backstage area was probably a party. Yeah, it was probably a good time back there, for sure. Um well, all right, moving on. Let's so okay. The classic "Creeping Death" never disappoints live, in my opinion. No, and actually, before this uh, song, I switched locations from the floor to actually right behind the soundboard, um, and it's the same thing. Firing on all cylinders, uh, heavy. The uh, Rob was on the P bass. The uh, that jazz, that Fender. Oh, the jazz, uh, is yeah. it a P bass? That's a jazz bass. Jasmine. He'll, um, he'll play P basses every once in a while. They're they're shaped a little different. Yeah. The next are a little fatter, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah, if it's that beat up looking black and white yeah, one, that's, that's yep, jazz. that's what it was. Yeah, so he was on the jazz bass. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was the best ever crowd participation, but it was definitely an above average. You know, eighty percent of the crowd was chanting "Die." Yeah. Um, you know, and it's another song that they could play in their sleep. And, you know, they just, they nail it every time. It was faster. It was definitely faster than the album. They always play it fast. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and, you know, just a classic. It's a staple. Yeah, you can't go wrong with it. And then just, like, the one-two punch sticking with with Ride the Lightning. We go right into For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah, and... Um, Did Rob switch bases here, or was it a pretty quick turnaround? Uh, I should read my notes. Um, I, saw, I put Rob pre-bells, gets crowd into it. Like, he just, like, started hyping up everybody. And then they started into bells, and then, uh, and then, oh, and then I, I put down this the first error of the night during the first chorus of bells. I don't know if it was James or Kirk, but somebody went the wrong direction on the neck, and something sounded out of tune oh. or out of place. <laughs> Just probably hit, hit, probably was, hit the wrong chord. Yeah, I think that you know it sounded like the note was I think a little bit higher than it was supposed to be, and right. that was that was like, you know, obviously, again, um, you know, just being a Metallica nerd, like yeah. you notice these things. I'm sure the average guy three beers deep didn't notice any errors. Probably but, not, but you know, you know, it, it, you know it, it, no one's perfect, and everyone, you know, we've all every all of us musicians have made those mistakes from time to time. Yeah. Sometimes they sound um, worse than other times, though. And then they ended the song with uh, Kirk did a the solo. Uh, like an extended solo, but there was no uh, like the Kirk Doodle with Rob later in the set. Right. But it was, it was kind of a different solo on the way out, and uh, you know, again, it's a staple. Of that, course, that, yeah. That, 
that intro based riff can't go wrong with. Oh no, never, yeah. never ever. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. you know, here's another one. I'm hoping we get Sanitarium. I hope we, I hope we get that at one of the three shows we're going to, because um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one live yet, and I'm I want to so bad. <laughs> well, they played it, in, but I think it's going to be. They played it in both Milwaukee and uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's been there a few times um, so far. Yeah, so I, I think it's a it's a, it's a standard. Um, they actually had it. The cubes were cool during the song because there was kind of like people inside the cubes, yeah, like trying to like break out. So that was that was pretty interesting. And uh, uh, and then James was playing. What what's the name of his guitar manufacturer? Is that Ken Lawrence? Oh, the Ken Lawrence guitars? Yeah, he usually uses that kind of brown, that wood-looking one uh, on, like, Fade to Black, uh, For Him in the Bell Tolls, yeah. one. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's a Ken kinda, Lawrence was, custom. Was, yeah, that was kind of like the, the nice debut of that guitar. Yeah. So that was cool to play. Yeah, I mean, again, another another classic. I mean, that's a good three-song, three, three song tr- really four-song chunk when you get to the next one. I mean, Creeping Death, From the Bell Tolls, Sanitarium, and then we go into old school, and get and you got Whiplash. Yes, um, but before that, there was the Rob Kirk did a doodle. Oh, um, right, of course. Act- How could I skip that? <laughs> they actually jammed, well, another thing, I'm not really a big fan of the, the doodles. I'm with you, yeah. You know, like, I, I would like for them to bring back the medleys, honestly. Yeah, but, totally. Um, but in the doodle, they jammed short as straw. Um, and Rob was messing around with the vocals, just like doing like some parts of the chorus. Yeah. I must admit, the vocals were not bad. Really? Um yeah, like I know over the years, Rob's been getting some criticism on his vocal capabilities. Not bad at all. They, they, they literally just riffed it out, hit the chorus, and then stopped. You know, you could tell it was maybe just an improv thing. Probably, and yeah. Then, and then, uh, but it wasn't bad. And then Rob went right into Anesthesia, um, where he just absolutely crushed it. He does um, He does that so good. Like, he play, I think he plays it as good as cliff but also he doesn't he doesn't change it too much but the, rob every player has a, a different feel and the way the way rob plays it i think it's so good because it's very rob trujillo but he's honoring cliff at the same time and just nails it and like just kills it every time well i was in detroit during the dehan set when they when rob played that for the first time oh okay. and, and at least for me i was kind of holding my breath because when we realized they were playing all kill them all, we got the anesthesia. I was like, are they going to skip over anesthesia? And he went for it. And I was kind of like, Oh, like he's going for it. And at the end, it got a little, it got a little weird. Like I wouldn't say it was bad. It wasn't bad by any means, but it got a little, little iffy at the end. Yeah. Totally. And then, and then, and then by the time this, uh, the stadium tour cycle came around, he just started crushing it. And now just every time he plays it, he just absolutely crushes, especially at the end. His fingers get flying, and he just I know. nails it yeah, he's, every time. I, I mean, that dude, is he's a monster bass player, man. I mean, I've, I've, most people have known that since, I mean, Suicidal Tendencies and Infectious Grooves, mm-hmm. his time with Ozzy. I mean, he's no joke, man. Um, uh, okay, so after... Yeah, and, and yeah then, it goes, then it goes right into Whiplash. Then we get Whiplash, that. yeah. But I printed out the set list, and, and it cut off. All it says is Rob's. <laughs> so yeah. I accidentally well, skipped I, over that, but... I put a note in between the two songs, Lars... Because I knew that they were going to do something deep in that slot. Lars looked at Rob and put up four fingers. So I thought we were going to get four horsemen. Oh. 
And I'm like, oh, four horsemen. And then it went into Whiplash, so I'm not complaining about it either. He probably was but, telling you, hey, I'm going to do a four count or something. Like one, two, yeah, three, that's four. What was, that's what I was thinking. I was just, I was just an over-eager fan. No, that's a good. That's a good thing. To, <laughs> good thing to notice and point out. I mean, that, that, how rad would that have been though if you were like, he held up four fingers. They're gonna do four horsemen, and all of a sudden they went ba 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 ba. You know, that would have been yeah. awesome. And, and then during Whiplash, uh, it was a little bit faster. Obviously, I'm not complaining. There was a lot of there was fan art on all the cubes, which was really cool. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so it kind of got some fans involved, and then, um, and then James talked for a little bit, and then they went right into Memory Remains, yep. and. I, this is another one I, I would I really want to see live too. To me, I didn't even get excited, like in the normal Metallica. I'm gonna lose my mind kind of way. I got relieved that they're acknowledging the '90s. You yeah. know that like it's just like yes, like I I, I know they'll always play Fuel, but it's like I want to see Memory Remains. I want to see Hero of the Day. I want to see King Nothing. Well, uh, and this is the first time in the whole set we get anything from Load or Reload. Yeah. This so is to the, me, it was kind of like a relief. Only time. Yeah, it was, it was like a relief. It was like, ah, yes, finally. Like, they remember those albums, yeah. you know? <laughs> this is when I came online, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, this, this would be awesome. And then uh, they, they didn't go fast with that, though. They definitely kept it at the normal speed. Um, the crowd was into it. The backup vocals with the crowd, everybody was into it. I, guess, oh, I did notice a, a lot of people in the crowd were in their 30s and 40s. Uh, so that's probably when they came online as well. Yeah, for sure, uh, man. Well, and that's, you know, I mean, even if you weren't a big Load and Reload fan, I mean, Memory Remains was a giant song. And ever since it came out, Marianne Faithful's part, Kirk plays and is now like a sing along part. It has been now for like 20 plus years, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, to me, I flash back to that rotating, that rotating stage in the video. You yeah. Know? Just saying, like, how they do that? <laughs> you know? Have you not? There, there's a there's a behind the scenes thing online somewhere you can find. It was like an MTV special, where where they're actually on the on a, a stationary stage, and the the building around them is rotating. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and That's they just so kept cool. the camera stationary. Yeah. And that was, that was a cool thing about the 90s there was no cg if they wanted to make a rotating stage they had to make a rotating stage yeah, exactly you know? <laughs> like a giant warehouse <laughs> yeah you know like let's make this and um yeah but that was that was definitely one of the highlights of the uh the night for me just because it was like oh, you know finally you yeah know? oh so, man yeah you, you yeah you you got your era yeah and then <laughs> after that they they went into moth with the drones oh and, man uh, how cool are those um, you don't like them? I'll admit, I'll admit I was kind of bummed. Really? Because I saw the videos of Europe and they're flying all around, and they, you know a lot of people were saying like, "I'm expecting them to fly all around the stadium," and you could tell that they're they're using the drones timidly. Okay. Like they come up out of the stage and they kind of just do like a circular pattern around the band. Like they're not flying into like the crowd or anything, um, and then they'll. They'll stop and they'll kind of do like a shaking thing and then they'll blink. And then uh, I noticed uh, when they land, some of them don't land where they took off from. Okay. And some, of them get, some of them get stuck on the stage. So a stagehand, <laughs> you see like a, a stagehand's head with like a minor lamp on and he's looking for all the drones trying to make sure they're off the stage. Right, but, yeah. You know, it's a cool, you know, <laughs> of, of all the new things to introduce this uh, tour cycle, I definitely don't hate them. You know, okay. they're fun. They're cool. 
uh, I, I definitely like them more than the drums. You know, it's definitely a unique part of the show, though. I mean, I don't know of any other artists that are doing. I know people have drones flying around the arena to get camera shots for the big screens, but mm-hmm. this is something that I hadn't seen before. It's like synchronized drones to whatever song, and you know, man, it, I, I'm still look, very much looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, and and honestly, like this is Metallica. Metallica will always take a chance, whether big or small, yep. with something new. Sometimes they fall flat on their face, but we respect them for it. And sometimes they hit a home run, you know. And, exactly. Uh, you know, but but these, I, I don't think these are bad by any means. They're definitely cool, especially if if you're a casual fan and you're not expecting it. It's definitely a fun thing. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the the asshole side of me kind of wanted to see one go rogue. You know, and like, but but I've obviously not hurt anybody. Uh, but look just, out! Here it comes. Yeah, just watch out! Here it comes. You know, but evacuate. Um, but no, it's definitely definitely fun experience. But yeah. uh, but at the same time, that song's killer. And to oh, me, dude, it's up there with Atlas Rise for sure. I, I, I mean, to, yeah, you know, to to me, I don't want to. To me, just put the house lights on and just play it like you're in a garage. You know, yeah, like that'd be I don't cool. want. I, I don't want anything extracurricular during that song. I right. just want that song fast and heavy. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's great, dude. I mean, that I, I was so happy to see that on the stadium room. I saw it in Detroit and in Philly. And, yeah. um, man, it, it's such a kick-ass song. Easily in my top five on Hardwired. Yeah, well, my, my buddy went to the Webster Hall show, and they played it there, I think, for the first time. Right. A crowd. And, uh, you know, he said this song's going to be amazing forever. And, Yep, exactly. You know, it's, uh, it's and, then, and then after Moth, uh, James, he kind of did this really cool appreciation chat to the crowd. Okay. Um, and it, he actually uh, pointed out a seven-year-old in the, in the front row and uh, like said basically thank you to all the fans, and they've been doing this for 37 years. It's all because of us. And I know a lot of bands always say thank you from the stage, but I feel like I feel like for the uh, the uh, the stadium tour cycle, as well as this tour cycle, uh, that Metallica is just super appreciative. I don't, I don't think they, I think they had expectations of Hardwired that it was going to be a good album, but I think that the uh, the fan response to it has just been killer. And yeah. uh, I, I feel I feel like it was a really appreciative chat from James, and the whole band kind of stopped and they were all standing next to each other. As James was saying that, so I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, you're, I think you're right in that they knew it was going to be a good record. I think they knew it was going to be well-received, but maybe not to the level that it was. I mean, yeah. I mean, I still listen to this record consistently. Oh, dude, it's, it's, in, it's been in full rotation since, I, since it came out. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. In the car, you know, on vinyl, you just name it. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many people that I used to, from high school that... Uh, you know, my high school era when, you know, people fell off Metallica after yep. the whole Napster thing. And they said, yo, this new album's great. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I've been telling you, yeah. It's, yeah, welcome back. <laughs> and it's back. Um, but, um, so get, getting back, then the, the uh, we got here the last six songs here. Of course, this is now really the, the, these last six are, are staples. They're not going anywhere for you know for the foreseeable future. But Sabbath True, always a crowd pleaser, always nice and heavy. How was it? How was it in Pittsburgh? It's. it's I don't think I've ever seen a bad performance of Sabbath True ever. Yeah. Um, it's just you know you know it's coming because you said you know it always. 
has something to do with Metallica giving you heavy, yep. you know, and you just know it's going to happen. And uh, intro kicks, and it's just, you know, it's just off the races. Uh, it, it's definitely a staple. Um, and, you know, like I said, you know, the third verse, the hate verse, is my yeah. favorite verse. Oh, yeah. And just, you know, you're expecting things to die down by then, and then they kick in with the third verse, and it's just, it's like, man, this song is so good. That's I actually know. my, uh, the first Metallica shirt I ever bought was the, the Sandbud Shrew oh, with shirt. The, with the two skulls? Yeah, with the two skulls. And I loved it because, you know, Newsted always used to wear it. Yeah. He always had the shaved sides of his head, his head, and he would headbang. And actually, my, uh, my battle jacket, the back patch, is the two skulls. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite songs. I had that same uh, that same shirt in junior high school. I think there's a photo a photo in my yearbook of me wearing it during like some they used to these lunchtime activities in my junior high, like all the students <laughs> get involved and play little games or whatever. But there's one I think where I'm like on a skateboard trying to push myself with a plunger, and I'm wearing the Sabbath True shirt. <laughs> I wore that shirt until it literally had holes and was falling off of me. <laughs> like, I, I think I wore, I think I wore that shirt for like 10 15 years. Your girlfriend's like, "Um, honey, I got to tell you something about that shirt." Um Hey, you, you know you should have just thought of it as is, is like a Hulk Hogan tearaway shirt. No, I actually uh all my Metallica shirts that have been retired just cuz I can't wear them anymore. I actually held on to all of them. Oh, they're nice. my parents. Yeah, they're in my parents' attic. Uh it's ridiculous how fat I got. Years. <laughs> hey, well, join the club, my friend. I just turned forty; it's all downhill. Um, so, of course, we get one next. The intro to yep. this is always super, super exciting. You know that it's coming. You hear the gunshots, the helicopters, the explosions, lasers, all this stuff, and it you know never disappoints. Yeah, well, this sort of they strip it down. There's not a lot of pyro. There's not a lot of. Um, there's not even a lot of like things going on on the, the videos. Uh, I think you and you guys said that they bought the rights to the movie in the video. I think we did then looking that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they basically played a scene from that movie and then basically all the graphics were that movie. Oh, okay, uh, cool. But no fire. Um, you know, the cubes are going up and down obviously, but not like the, the stadium tour where they had all the graphics and everything. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the production on, the, on this intro on the stadium tour was, was fucking crazy. Just how many explosions yeah. were happening and, it just went on forever too, but um, but yeah, one. It's like you know, th- this is a song now that they're never not gonna play in a normal set. List. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you you kind of saw like you kind of saw the old timers like get up and move around during this time. Yeah, um, you know, it's like when nothing else mattered played. There was a guy who had a black ticket. He just looked tired, and you could tell that he was just going for the door. You know, like. <laughs> It was probably his 80th time seeing Metallica. And was, yeah. You know, you could tell he was just tired. Uh, he probably knows, man. too. It's nothing else matters than to enter Sandman. I'm going to go get to my car and get out of here. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they, they played one. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, this kind of was, was a, another, um, you know, another time in the set list where you could tell that 70% of that arena is brand new to Metallica because people lost their mind. Um, you know, all the diehards get excited, but you know, like, all right, it's one. Yeah. You know, you're going to see it every show. There were people losing their mind when that intro hit. And it's, you could just tell that it's a, it's a brand new era of fan. That's so um, cool. Yeah. And, uh, and then honestly, with all the hits, it, you, you could just sense that. 
that like oh these people are seeing this for maybe the first or second time ever yeah, yeah. totally that's very yep. true yeah and, and and they went right into master and it was the same thing with master um you know uh but what's interesting to have in master they were going fast they same thing firing on all cylinders yeah and the p the pa cut out about two-thirds of the way through the song oh wow it cut out it was, couldn't have been more than two seconds but in those two seconds you could hear a pin drop in the arena wow like i know my heart dropped but they, but not you know well especially I, I at, especially because because none of them are using actual amps on stage anymore yeah i didn't know if they even noticed that it cut out because they kept doing their thing nobody stopped and everybody in the sound booth including big mick um Nobody panicked. You know, nobody was... I, I didn't see anybody panicking. Yeah, it must have been some little glitch that happened at front of house or whatever where there was, they were like, it happened, they probably went looked up and went, oh, shit, it's this, or or it came back on, they're like, what was that? Hope it doesn't happen again, you know? Yeah, well, that's a good that's a good segue because obviously after Master, uh, they do their fake, good, you know, thank you, good night. Right, And course. then they come back out for the encore and they did spit. And during spit, it cut out three times. Whoa. Yeah, so so it cut out once during like the heavy part at the end, uh, and then uh, it came back, and then it cut out again, then it came back, then it cut out again. Same thing. Nobody lost composure. Nobody panicking. Just I'll bet on stage, right on stage in their inner, inner monitors, they probably still have signal of everything. The only thing they probably noticed was that they all of a sudden didn't feel as much low end in the room, but then it came back on, yeah. and they they could they for you know for all they know. It could have just been the subwoofers going out for a second, you know, not the entire PA. Yeah, and honestly, for a second, I thought we were going to get like a James like Grammy Award flashback where he's going to throw a <laughs> guitar or something. I was like, oh, you know, but nope, nothing happened. You know, the band, these last two shows that I've seen, um, like, they're just having fun. Yeah. You know, it's like, obvious, you could just man. Tell that just, like, like, when somebody messes up, the other person laughs at the other person. Uh, you know, if something's off, they you can tell they're just laughing it off. Like they're just, they're just having fun with this show. Yeah, with it, this with this tour. Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. It's so it's so awesome to see. Um, how 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 were the boys on Spit Out the Bone? Are they pretty they sounded pretty good. Uh, yeah. Well, they they all, uh, James and Rob alternate uh, the vocals. So they're still they're still versus. doing that. Yeah, but it doesn't sound. You know, obviously it was sketchy when they started when they did it in Europe. Yeah. At first, uh, I would say it's definitely smoothed out. That's good. Um, you know, to me personally, that that's that's my favorite song of the last twenty years. Personally, um, yeah. just because you know, growing up, Dire Z was my favorite song, and Damage Incorporated. So I always loved the fast songs, and uh, and those songs are always my argument to my friends who like like Slayer and uh, like old Sepultura and stuff. They're like, "Oh, Metallica's not fast anymore." And I was like, "Listen to Dire Z, Metallica fast," you know. And yeah, uh, you know, so to see them come out on this. It's just, and the fact that they're playing it live, and they're playing it faster than the album. I know they seem to do that with crazy. all the, all the faster songs. They always go faster live, which is you know most of the time it works. Every once in a while, it's like, hey, dude, hit the brakes a little bit. But um, uh, so we get you know we get our classic ending that they've been doing this entire album cycle. You know, nothing else matters in the Sandman. You know, as much as we've heard both of these songs for years and years and years. You know, someone called them overplayed. I don't, I mean, sure, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. You know, I still love these songs. Um, 
but I, I still got super excited when they played these two when I saw them live. I'll be completely honest with you. I'm probably going to get some hate mail. Over Here this. it comes. They can delete these songs, and I will not cry. <laughs> like, I mean, I wouldn't. I, be, I wouldn't be mad if they like if if they played a full set. And let's say they closed with like battery and or like whatever Orion and blackened. I would be like, holy shit, that was amazing. Okay. I, all I would no. think was that was weird that they didn't play Inner Sandman and nothing else matters. But okay, whatever. We still got awesome songs. No, I just, I just can't. There are songs, obviously. Like right. the whole blackout. Um, to me, I just can't. I find myself gravitating towards other artists' covers. Of Okay. More than these, like when Ghost, uh, I think it was Ghost, the lead singer of Ghost. Yeah. And, like I thought it was an awesome cover, it was an absolutely awesome cover. Um, obviously, these are the money makers. You sure. Know, these two songs obviously took Metallica to superstar and um, forever grateful for these songs. But I don't never have to hear them again. Yeah, I I, I can understand that. Far, you know, and uh, when it, like, but if they ever were to do another symphony album, I would want to see these songs because yes. I think that I think that nothing else matters. But the symphony was awesome, and I think that even Sandman worked out good with the symphony. I, I don't know if that's ever been in their plans to do another one, or if they talked about it and maybe scrapped it, but. Yeah, there's so many, so many good Metallica songs that I would love to hear with a symphony behind. Like Orion would be amazing. Yes, and uh, honestly, personally, these two songs are kind of where I start like weaseling my way up to the, the rail. So because I know that after these two songs, they're going to throw out a ton of picks to the crowd. Right. So, yeah. Uh, being that uh, you know you have a, a, the black ticket gets you a floor ticket. Usually, you have to walk through the seated sections to get to the floor. So. Uh, I basically I, I would I went back and forth between the floor and the sound mix for this show, but during these two songs, obviously I went down onto the floor, and uh, being that close, I was to the band's pool, and then I weaseled my way up to the uh, to the rail, and then you know you're prime location to catch picks at that j- point. So that's j- usually just like I your teenage for. self. Yeah, like that's usually <laughs> what I. You know, I, I learned over the years you don't have to get on the rail at 4 p.m. to catch a pick. Right, you exactly. Know, like, <laughs> you you could just be the annoying guy that says, sorry, my friends are up there, and weasel your way up to the, <laughs> you know, the rail. And uh, That's what we did as see- teenagers. We did that as teenagers at Disneyland to get in, in the uh, head of the line faster. Uh, my, my, par- oh, really? my parents are up there. Excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, yeah, and it worked both, both nights. I caught picks, and uh, you know they throw out literally handfuls of picks. Oh yeah, uh, they make thousands and thousands of, of every show for sure. Yeah, and you could tell that they liquidate old picks because the three picks I caught last night were they weren't even Pittsburgh picks. They were one was for Austin, one was for Helsinki. Oh wow! And yeah, so you could tell that they have old picks left over that they're just getting rid of. Oh yeah, you know? and that's probably their guitar techs. Like, hey, get these out of my workbox. Here, yeah. <laughs> hand James a handful of these Helsinki ones. Um, yeah, the uh, the picks that are actually the hardwired logo, I believe that those are the picks that are actually used on the microphone stands. Yeah, J- James ha- James has his specific pick he uses on the mic stand, and yeah, um, I don't think it's, it has a hardwired logo on it, but I, I've got a couple. I got to go look at it. He's got he's a, he's a one called a, I think it's called a Fang or something. It's green. 
All right, Matt, thank you so much for spending the last hour with me while you're driving all the way back to New Jersey, New Jersey. Um, yeah, dude, I, I hope it wasn't too distracting on the road and uh, no cops were following you, but uh, thanks for your time, man. No, uh, absolutely not, man. Absolutely my pleasure. Uh, there was a cop that was behind me at one point, but he didn't pull me over. Uh, but so we're good there. That's what the headset's for. Yep. And uh, no, I honestly just thank you guys for what you do with this podcast. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. It, it brought a lot of people like me back into the, uh, the nerdy world of Metallica. <laughs> you know, I think, I think we're all appreciative. And it's good to hear the musician's point of view as well. Um, yeah, man. You know, so uh, you know, definitely thank you guys for what you do. Well, it's our pleasure. We enjoy doing it and we enjoy talking to fans like you. And, uh, and if you're listening and you want to get involved in one of these shows and be a part of Metal Tales from the Road, you got to be a patron and hit us up about a show. We get we get submissions every day, and Clint has a running list of who's doing what show. So uh, they're they're very close to being spoken for, even in Europe. So get involved in Patreon. You're going to hear a quick commercial at the end of this, and that's about it. We'll see you later. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened, which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects that Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios.